Friends, fiends, rapscallions, I know what you all must be thinking every time an episode is released of Easily Irritated. I'm sure you're all thinking, God, Mike is my favorite comedian. I love his stand-up. I love his podcast. I love Mike McCowan. I just wish I could have a podcast myself. I wish that people would want to listen to me talk. I wish, you know, I'm passionate about JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Maybe I should start a podcast on that. But who's going to listen? And then I'm creating all this work, all this effort to just shout into the void? No, that doesn't sound fun. But here's where you're wrong, my friends. There's a magical little platform called Anchor. And it's everything you need or anything you want to create a podcast. It's completely free and there's creation tools to make it easy and fun for you to be able to do it literally anywhere. You can do it from your phone. You can do it from your computer. You can hold up your phone like you're talking to a friend and you're actually reporting a podcast. And the audio is amazing. This is what I used when I first started my podcast and it is a great app. It's a great platform and the best thing about it is you upload your podcast, send it away, and Anchor will upload it for you onto all the streaming platforms, onto Spotify, onto Applecasts, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you'll be able to hear your podcast. I'll be able to li- you can send me your podcast and I'll listen to it. Anyway, you're probably still thinking, I don't know, I'm a little on the edge here. I'm a little on the fence. Because even if I do create a podcast, who's going to listen? I'm never going to make money off the podcast. Not like you do. But see, this is where you're also wrong, my little wolf pups. With Anchor, you don't have to have a minimum listenership. You don't have to reach 500 people. You could reach one dude in South Carolina that lives in his mom's basement and he never wears pants. He only wears tidy whities all the time and his mom brings him oatmeal when he's hungry and corn dogs because who doesn't love corn dogs? It doesn't matter if that guy is your one and only fan because with Anchor, you don't have to have a minimum listenership. You could have one guy, two guys, 500 guys, 1,000 guys. It doesn't matter. You'll still make money off your podcast by reading ads much like I'm doing now. There's no minimum listenership. That's what's great about Anchor. It's everything you need literally in one place to make a podcast. Now, listen closely and I'll tell you how to do it, all right? It's super complicated. You might want to take some notes. Step one, open up your smartphone or iPhone. Go to the App Store and type in anchor.fm. Click the download button and get your podcast started. It's that easy. All right, now enjoy the show. Easily Irritated was not recorded in front of a live studio audience but rather a captive audience of pop figurines and porcelain dolls.
Oh, it's been a sad, sad couple of days. I don't know why they came out Irish. I apologize to anybody I have offended or not offended, you know? Some people like to be offended, you know? Believe it or not, especially the Germans and the Swedes, there's something to be about a roast, you know? It doesn't mean you don't like that person. It used to be the way I was growing up and the way I still am. Explains my best friends and everything. If you're, in a, if you're in a room filled with people that feel like they can jokingly be mean to you, that's a compliment. It means they actually like you. Some of those things might be true, sure, but you need to accept those true things about yourself and learn to laugh at yourself. Otherwise, you just banana pants and you're going to have a hard time in life, skis, you know? It's been some sad days for, um, for a lot of girls out there. Childs, children's, a lot of children's. Well, they're adults now, but if this happens to you as a children's, and still, for Shersies, when I was 21, I was still a children's. I was still a children's in my way of thinking, all right? Like, there's a, there's a brain development thing. Like, you're, you're not who you're... Your brain's not fully developed to the person you're supposed to be. Until the age of like 27 as a guy, 26 for girls, 28, 26 to 28, something like that. And like for anybody, for any person, you know, to, um, and I get it. Like people say, well, the teenagers, 18, that's the, that's the cutoff, you know, that's the, the, the legal age. But that's um, that's still pretty low, all right? My best friend's sisters are around that age. I think they're like 19, 20 now. One of them has a kid. She's still a, she's still a children's, all right? And she has children's, but she's still a children's. But she's a children's with a guy her own age, so I feel like it's fine. They're both children's. But for like a 40-year-old dude, and I'm talking about Crystalia, I don't know if this all this is all true. This is just what we all have been reading, right? But for a 40-year-old dude, and like, Dan Cook did it right, man. He laid out a map for you, and you should have followed it. You should have followed it. Dan Cook pretty much did the same thing, but he didn't do anything illegal, you know? He just has a fan base, and he, uh, you know, girls grew up loving Dane Cook. They turn 18, they start dating Dane Cook. Who cares how old he is, man? It's kind of grooming, I guess. But I guess what Chris is accused, Chris D'Elia, you know, he's accused of, like, sending or ask, soliciting pictures from underage girls and grooming them and stuff. But grooming applies a lot of manipulation. It also applies patience. And I think that uh, grooming is wrong too. You're essentially manipulating children so they are your sex playthings later. That's just horrific and extremely awful and makes me sad. But I try not to uh, 
think about it too much. Because it'll make me angry. But I'm, you don't know what's true and not true. It's, it is suspicious that they all came out all at once. It was probably planned. Doesn't mean that it's not true. Just means that, hey, unless there's charges filed against the dude, maybe we should not all turn on him. Like, I just feel like it's pretty disturbing that this that his entire, like, his comic community turned on him remarkably fast. Like, my com comic community, I always talk about it with my comic buddies. It's like, I feel like, as weird as I am, I feel like people, comics especially, would know me well enough to know that if something wackadoodle-doo came out, they'd be like, are we sure we're talking about the same mic? But, yeah, a lot of people are like, you know, he's always been a ladies' man, never been on the road with him. His pal Whitney Cummins came out and was like, I think it's awful. I'm not, I didn't know about this, but I'm not going to stay quiet now that I do. With all that I've learned, listen, you haven't learned anything. None of us have. There's just a bunch of accusations. Unless there's actual criminal charges pressed against him for soliciting pictures. And there's actual evidence. Let's not, you know, let's not throw him in the back of the oven yet. Jesus. It's like, it's like we're Hitler with everybody who, like, breaks a rule that we're no longer is no longer socially acceptable. Whatever happened to innocent until proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're guilty. There's a lot of shadows of doubts. There's a lot of doubts and shadows. He's innocent. We shouldn't cancel him until he's proven guilty. Yeah. That being said, I think it's really uh, the people I don't like in things like this is the YouTubers that what what bugs me is not the Crystalia thing because, you know, it was eh, whatever. He's not super funny, in my opinion, in my opinion, you know, and who am I? Nothing. Barely. It's just I was watching his his last special with a friend of mine who's not a comic and all of a sudden, Austin goes to me and he goes, is he doing drunk adult? And I was like, I think he's doing adult baby talk. My friend Austin says, no. Drunk adult is adult baby talk. And he's right, it is. But it's, it's weird because he doesn't, Crystal Lee doesn't drink alcohol. So obviously he's acting, whether you you know he's doing it or not he's acting like he's part of the drunk crowd that sees him and he's talking about not drinking and stuff while doing drunk adult and it's that in itself is pretty funny but there's not a lot of punchlines in there you know not a lot of funny stories there's a lot of clapter in it you know and that's whatever it's whatever you want to call it now i'm upset about the 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 Joey Diaz things. People are saying that he treated women unfairly. And that podcasts of him in 2011 went viral. 
Listen, he said it on a podcast that was getting 4 million views at the time. He knew how many people were seeing it. You don't have the right to act out, to act outraged nine years later. It's 2020. That was said in 2011. That's nine years. I was 21. I'm 30 now. Now you have YouTubers recording on it. React, reaction videos to something that happened nine years ago, dudes. Nine years. If it was a baby, it would be nine years old. It would be able to have a conversation with you. All right? That's almost a full decade. You can't talk about something that happened a decade ago. All right? Because... It didn't get any outrage when it came out. If it got outrage when it came out, fine. It already got the outrage. But that's when the reaction comes. Not nine years, not a decade later, bro. Any YouTuber that does a reaction video to a Joey Diaz video on Joe Rogan's podcast in 2011 is a piece of shit person who has nothing better to talk about than bash other people for things they said decades ago. That is the most pussy ass shit I have ever heard in my life. Guys, look at me. I'm reacting to something that I didn't know was happening at the time 10 years ago. Dude, it was on... Joe Rogan's podcast is probably the most popular viewed show on the planet. All right. It's got 20 plus million people watching each every episode, four or five million at the time. If you weren't one of those people that reacted at the time, then you're not doing your job right and you should just delete your YouTube account. All right. You're reacting to something 10 years ago? Bro. The same thing with metal people. I'm reacting to metal. I'm listening to it for the first time, you guys. Metal core? What is this? Crazy! Dude, you're listening to metal that's 20 years old. You're listening to metal that I was listening to in high school. Whoa, listen to Motionless and White's Creature album. You know they've done six albums since then, right? Bro, they've done a lot since then. <sighs> Let's listen to Bring Me the Horizon. You're like, oh shit, they're hardcore. They're not anymore. Do you know why? Listen to Bring Me the Horizon now. They're soft as shit. They're like soft rock in comparison to what they were in the beginning. Listen to fuck, alright? Listen to F-U-C-K. That's their song by Bring Me to Horizon. There's 10 years apart between that song and whatever their new release is, alright? Listen to fuck and then listen to... It's abbreviated. It's, it's F period, U period, C 
period k period it means something i don't know just it's that's what the song's called type in fuck and then type in whatever their new song is it's at least if not more than 10 years apart from fuck and whatever their new release is if it's still the same genre then for sure you you agree that is still the same type of music then for sure judge any comedian off anything he says no matter how long the gap period is but if you totally for sure agree that bring me the horizons fuck is a completely different genre than the stuff they sing now then bro rethink the way your mind works process you're a different person 10 years later you know I was an immature child's. I was a children's, all right? I was a children's when I was 21. I was homeschooled before that, grown up in an RV with my, with my golden retriever and my younger brother, playing collector cars and house with my two parents being homeschooled, traveling all around the United States like the wild thornberries, only they were realtors, not documentarians. And then we settled on Arizona. Mm-hmm. I went to college for the first time, interacted with people, and discovered, hey, I think I'm pretty cool. People seem to dig. Dig the mic. But you're also impressionable at that age, and you seem to annoy as well as entertain. And you discover who you are and everything. But I don't think I'm the same person now than when I was 21. And that is the time gap you're judging Joey Diaz on. You can't do a reaction video in 2020 from a video that came out regardless the format, podcast, stand-up, anything, talk show, music. You can't judge it. Can't judge a person now based off that 10 years ago and no one reacted negatively at the time. You piece of shits trying to have content to talk about. Talk about all the injustice going on in the world, man. We got Chaz happening in Seattle. Seattle, because of it, has birthed a brand new serial killer. Can we stop the serial killers from birthing out of Seattle? Seattle's got enough problems. All right? They've got Chaz. They've got a lot of corona. And now they've got serial killers and vigilantes. All right? We're going to have Gotham City over there pretty soon if we don't start getting our shit together. Talk about corona. The fact is, here in Maricopa County in Arizona... Found out you can't go into any stores anymore. You have to wear a mask because it's just like California. What is even the point of living in a red state with backwards laws if they're not going to do backwards shit? You know what I mean? Now I have to wear a mask. And I can't even, like if I don't have a mask, can't go to a store to get a mask. No, no. You gotta wait online, and then you have to wait days until you go to the grocery store to get food. Who wants that kind of life? No one wants that kind of life, because that kind of life is cray-cray in the banana and the hey-hey-hey. But anyway, do we have a mask? I 
Went to the dispensary today. I'm happy now. You know, I bought a pink shirt. It's a denim shirt. I'm really happy with it. I really like the fashion that's coming out in these in these times. You know, I have a I have a signature summer look. You know, it's a lot of pinks, a lot of hot pinks, a lot of bright blues, some yellows. Who doesn't like yellows? Some black and whites. Well, that sounded racist altogether like that, but I'm t- just talking about colors of clothing, you know? Play the ukulele a little bit. I like bright, happy colors, you know? Bright, happy colors. Will I wear some of those bright, happy colors in the fall? For sure. I really like that color pink. Really like the 80s kind of mixing in with the 90s kind of style and art, you know? It's sweet, and I dig it. Was really expecting like uh, some hint back throwbacks to the 1920s because we're in the 2020s, but nah, nah. I like the 80s and the 90s just fine. Matches my sweet hair, right? I want to grow shoulder length hair. I saw the dirt, and and I thought to myself, Mike, why are you not? growing out Vince Neil hair, you know? I know you wanted the Jesus look, but who doesn't want Vince Neil hair? I'm a brunette, sure. But you could still have Vince Neil hair, you know? Grow it out, that same kind of cut, and as a brunette, I would look sexy. I would like it, you know? That's all I strive for in life, is just for me to look attractive in the mirror. I don't care what other people think, as long as I think I look coolsies manunu to go out into the outside you know i'm not probably gonna talk to people when i'm outside but i want them to think fat dude's a cool dude you know we all just try to be a little tough have our own little style but i want all of you to think about to the next podcast what is your signature look all right Think about it, visualize it, and project it. And remember, keep being the chick-chick-boom guy, all right? You can't be the chick-chick guy. If this is the first time you're hearing about my mastermind theory, all right? Don't shenamble my blueberry jam, Brinis, all right? Because I don't appreciate this is my theory, all right? If you're the if you want to be the hero of your own story, when you make decisions, all right, this shouldn't be taken literally. Don't try to stop a bank robber. But when you're making decisions, don't fumble with the decisions. Don't take a long time with decision making. I personally, I hate making decisions. It gives me a lot of anxiety and I put it off as long as I can. I'm paying somebody to I'm paying an artist to redesign my cover photo for the podcast for Easily Irritated. And he, he came, he worked on it amazingly fast. He sent me three concepts and goes, which one do you like better? And I thought, oh, decision. But I'm not the chick chick guy. I'm the chick chick boom guy. So I said, concept number one with a little bit of the number two Z's in the number one, but mostly the number one. You know what I'm saying? And he knew what I was saying because I was the chick chick boom guy and I made a decision, you know? So if you're the hero in a movie, all right? 
and you're busting into the bank or you're busting into your house and the bad guy's got your lady, all right? And he says, and he's got a gun and he's pointing it at you. You need to be busting it in, busting in the door, pull out your gun, cock it, and then boom, all right? Don't ask questions. Just kill him, save your lady, and save the day. If you phenomble, if you shenamble, if you're shenambling your blueberry jam with your decision making, all right, and you boom, bow, bust down the door, all right, you just, you just cock the gun, and then you, you're just pointing at him, just letting him know that it's cocked. Well, guess what? Bad guy's gun moves to the girl's head. Says, you, hero, drop your gun or me, the bad guy's going to blow off your girl's head. And that's the hero's fault because he shenambled his blueberry jam. All right? You don't shenamble your blueberry jam, Bernice. Nana. Yo, you can't do that. All right? Bust down the door. Chick, chick, boom. Save the day. And that's what you do. All right? That's your new catchphrase. Anyway, we'll do some ghost stories with uh, myself and Professor Nightmare, and we'll get you all going. But all right? Don't uh, accept bullshit. Shanaynays going around the gossip circles and the fountains and shit. Accept the truth. Look for the truth, you know? Find those little blue men hiding in that spacecraft underneath the toaster. Look for them. We know they're there. I'll see you later, wolf pups. This is Mike McCowan, and I'm out of here. Sorry to take a little break. I know we just had an ad. But I really do need to tell you. I need to further instill my point. You know, we live in a time of some craziness, all right? There's some riots going on. There's a COVID-19 virus going on. There's all this talk about defunding the police department. I'm sure you want to give your opinions out there. Shout them out there. You know, get some following behind you. You know, up the morale a little bit in society in America. God knows we could all have a little content that would let us you know, escape from all the awfulness in the world. Surely this podcast doesn't do it for you. So create your own, all right? When I was first trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. One being, am I going to have to upload my podcast to each platform individually? To Spotify, to Apple, to everywhere? Because that's, that's going to be super annoying and I don't want to do that. Well, that's when I heard about Anchor. It's a one-stop, all you need to create a podcast. They upload, you upload it onto Anchor. Oh, here's my little podcast. I'm talking about riots and what flavor ice cream I like. I send it into Anchor. They upload it, and they distribute it for me on Spotify, Apple, everywhere. You can listen to a podcast you will hear about Easily Irritated. It is that Awesome. But here's another question I had. Will I ever make money 
Like, let's say I do develop a fan following. Will I make money? Will I be able to apply for sponsors? But here's what I didn't know, is you don't even have to have a minimal listenership with Anchor. No. You can make money from your podcast right away. I don't, I wouldn't expect a lot of money, but you know, two cents from every listener, that adds up, you know? So, the answer to every one of these questions is simple. Anchor, all right? Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with the great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. Why have advertisers, oh, this is for hymns. If you're uh, losing your hair and your dick doesn't work, come here and use my code word. They're not going to match you up with randos like that, okay? They know your podcast. Advertisers, advertisers, advertisers know your demographic, all right? They know the message you're trying to get out, and they will match sponsors to you, to the content that you offer. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Now, all you have to do, it's, it's not complicated at all. First of all, open up the App Store on your smartphone or your iPhone, right? Type in Anchor.fm. That's A N C H O R.fm slash start. And uh, you'll get started. You'll make your podcast. You'll make money. Maybe you might even become Rogan legendary. The Joe Rogan experience might even fail to comparison have how massive your show is, mans. Dudes, womans, join the revolution of podcasting. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Ghost Stories with Mike McCallum. All right, we're going to try a new segment. Thought a lot about it. Some true ghost stories, because, uh, you know... I've, I, I have a lot of family members and friends that have experienced, like, supernatural events, and I've heard stories of creatures. I personally have not, you know, seen a chickacabra or a, or a ghost, you know? Um, not, you know, enough for me to be like, I'm totally haunts my gots here, all right? Some Casper shit is happening, and I can feel it. Never been that far into it. I like horror. I like horror movies. My mom likes ghost stories. She's even had a few angel, as she calls them, encounters. Um, maybe I'm a little too cynical, you know, even as writing out this actual story, just to, you know, get the, the important facts for you guys. Uh, I'll give you my opinion after, you know. I'll give you my pins after I read you. The, the story of the thingies. Inns, whoa. All right, here we go, go wear pups, all right? First, let me ask you a question, all right? How would you feel if after your pappy or your loved one died, you know, 
I say pappy because it's Father's Day, or it was, you know, a couple days ago, last Sunday. So, what if your loved one died, right? And you receive a ghostly email from them from beyond the grave. How would you feel? Would you feel blessed like it was a heavenly gift? Or would you feel haunted by the fact that they still haven't moved down, found peace? Maybe it's the devil. Who knows? These are some of the questions, you know? Either way, skis. I'm sure everyone will agree that the freak occurrence described by Jack Freese, I believe that's how you say his name, his Jack Freese and his family and friends, well, not him himself because he's the dead one, but his family and his friends. I'm sure you all agree of what happened there was an incredibly strange tale indeed. Anyway, skis, our story begins in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. I have no idea where that is, but I'm guessing it's a small town. Could be wrong, though. Who knows? I'm bad at geography, really. Anyway, the story begins in Dunmore, Pennsylvania, with the, with the death of Jack Farise, who died at age 32 years old of heart complications. Palpitations! Uh, anyway, I'm guessing, says here, he's young and unaccomplished. In June of 2011, so it's nine years ago, but a lot can happen in nine years, you know, a lot, like, could be a Joey Diaz comedian, say something publicly on a podcast nine years ago, and it could be haunting you nine years later, you know, the world's a cray-cray, but nay, nay place. Anyway, Jack has been described by his loved ones as being a kind, sensitive, and well-liked man. His sudden death shocked everybody close to him and left them, as death often does, with a mass amount of uh, grief and confusion. Jack's memory was survived by his mother, Patty Farise, his cousin, Jimmy McGraw, and his best friend, Tim Hart. Man, his friends got some bitchin' sounding names. Great for the entertainment industry or whatever, you know? Anyway, four months after the death of Jack Farise in November 2011, both Jimmy McGraw and Tim Hart received separate emails from their dearly departed friend Jack. It's terrifying enough, my friends, my wolf pups, to have received an email from a deceased friend but I'm here to tell you what uh, was in the little subject title, claims the two, claims the cousin and the friend. It's pretty haunting. That that would freak me out. So in the subject title of the email they got, it was titled "I'm watching." Ominous, no. In an interview with the BBC, Tim and Jimmy. Both stated that nobody could have possibly known Jack's email password and the probability of a cyber hack was doubtful. In the email sent to best friend Jimmy Hart, Jack wrote the following. Tim, comma, did you hear me? I'm at your house. Clean your fucking attic. You know, I don't usually hear ghost stories 
where the ghost swears. But, you know, more power to the ghost. As my aunt Rebecca once told me, the f the F word is a very expressive word. As an adult, I've come to now think my aunt was cray cray banane. But as we continue, this message was especially shocking to Tim since uh, it was a not long before Jack's death that Jack was over at Tim's house and jokingly commented how messy Tim's attic was. Tim was unsure of what to make of this mysterious email, nevertheless replied to the email anyway, hoping to elicit some kind of response from the afterlife. Unfortunately, however, no answer ever came back. Although the email to Tim Hart was pertaining to a moment shared in the past with the deceased, the email sent to cousin Jimmy McGraw, Jack uh, referenced some events in Jimmy's life that actually happened after Jack's death in June 2011. Jimmy McGraw explained in an interview, the same interview I'm guessing, with the BBC, that he broke his ankle in November 2011. Jack died in June. He, Jimmy broke his ankle in November. Now, about two weeks before receiving the ghostly email from his dead friend, that's when the accident occurred. Freaky? Uh, a little bit. Anyway, Jimmy was uh, on his way to, uh, you know, work one day when he received this haunting email titled, I'm watching from a friend that's no longer alive or has a heartbeat. So in the email Jimmy received, Jack asked him how he was doing after his accident and told him that he knew he was going to sustain his injuries and tried to warn him. Jack then warned him to be careful, to be more careful, and after making several personal remarks, ended the email with his name, Jack Freese, as a signature. Jimmy noted in the interview that very few people knew about his ankle injury. He saw very few people, which only included a few friends and family members. Hmm? Anyway, despite the initial bewilderment brought about this you know, eerily personal emails from their dearly departed friend, the people that Jack left behind soon came to the terms with what happened. Of course, it remains unclear whether this bizarre correspondence was a very cruel prank or actually documented communication with the deceased Jack Freese from the realm beyond our own. Many people would probably be very disturbed if they received any sort of message from their dead loved ones. But fortunately enough, this was not the case for the folks that Jack Freese left behind in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. Jack Freese's mother, Patty Freese, told interviewers in the emails, told interviewers the emails disturbed some people, but delighted others, guys. They delighted others. It was Colsey's Minulsi's. You know? 
She herself accepted them with an open heart and told Jack's loved ones that those emails were a gift from him, that they should take them as such. She sh said that she didn't give much thought into whether the emails were some part of cruel, practical joke or prank, but instead she was grateful for the mere fact that these mysterious emails got people to keep talking about her sweet son Jack for a little while longer and kept his memory alive. Jamie McGraw and Tim Hart had similar opinions on the matter. They both wholeheartedly accepted the advice from Jack's mother and believed it to be a positive blessing in the end. Dealing with the excuse me. Dealing with the death and loss is a uh, such a personal and subjective experience. And uh we all must go through it all on our own. I was trying to cover up a burp when my voice got all silly for a second. I feel like it worked, you know? Anyway, this story has had a profound effect on the world because the mere fact is grieving is a very personal thing, you know? It's a very personal experience. Look at me, I know French words. Anyway, maybe the true author of these emails was a friend playing a sick joke. Or perhaps it could have been a loved one that has access to Jack's email and wanted to give Jack's friends some closure and hope. And who does it sound like? That sounds like a mama. All right. Maybe it was some unexplainable ghost from beyond the grave. Maybe it was Jack looking out for his peeps. But here's my question to that. All right. If it's Jack, if it's Ghost Jack, all right, Jack Fries from the ghost, ghost place, all right, he's in the nether, you know, he's in the Harry Potter world, he's haunting us, he warns his best friend and his cousin, like, he sends a nonchalant email to his fucking bro, and is like, yo, man, clean your fucking attic. Asshole, bro. Come on. Really? That's the message you send? Maybe he's trying to figure out. I, I, I'll play devil as advocate, all right? Maybe he's trying to figure out. And he's like, I'll just send a silly message just to see if I can do it. And then you get to your cousin. You send another message saying, I tried to warn you this time. And that's it? You don't send anything to your mama? You son of a bitch? Do you hate your mama? Listen, this is what I think. Because I'm a ghost detective, alright? Ask Professor Nightmare. He knows me. Alright? I'm a ghost detective. And right now, my ghost... No. No detecting. I feel like this is... This is explainable. I dig the stories that are unexplainable. This story, not enough evidence, all right? Not enough evidence. You Okay, well, no one could have the email password. How about the mother? The mother doesn't have an email password? All she has to do is write to Google and say that her son's dead. Please give me access. 
I find it real hard that the family doesn't have any access to the email. And I get what people would say. Well, what would be the purpose? The mom told you in the end. She doesn't care. Really, what people think, if it's negative or positive, she doesn't care. Because the simple fact is, they're interviewed by BBC. The world is talking about her dead son in a podunk little town that nobody would have ever heard of anyway. Ever. What was it? Dunmore? Dun... Done something? See, I can't even remember it anymore. That's how... That's how non-importanto that town is. But now it's because of a go it's part of a ghost story and it's the ghostly email, so we're gonna talk about it. I'm talking about it right now to you guys. But not in the way she well, it should, like she said, it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative, as long as it's talk. That's how trolls win too. Trolls don't win if it ruins your day or it makes your day. The fact is, you're thinking about it. See, it's just... So his friend says, hey. You know, he couldn't have possibly known about that conversation. That's a bullshit conversation. That's a passerby, two friendships, two friendship type peeps, you know. That's a conversation I would have with my with my pal Austin. And just he's like, "Yeah, your your house is fucking messy." It's like, "Yeah, I'm a goblin, you know. Shit happens." It's that's something I might tell to my mom later, all right? It's not a personal thing that happened. And what with the cousin, McGraw, huh? Well, he told you too. I saw very few friends and a few family members. Did one of those family members maybe include Jack's mom? You son of a bitch. You stupid bitch. Of course Jack's mom was at the hospital. At the hospital. You were really close with her son. <coughs> you were in an accident. Of course she's going to be at the hospital. She knows about your accident. And... I'm not hated on the mom, all right? She has good intention, you know, selfish, but also good, you know? She's like, I'm going to send my best friend, my, my son that I love very much, his best friend and his cousin, I'm going to give them some closure because they were all, you know, traumatized by the sudden death. So I'm going to go ahead and give them some closure through Jack's email, like it's Jack from Beyond the Grave. And then... All of a sudden, it becomes a big thing. BBC starts talking about it. Her son's memories kept alive for just a little longer. Decades. This is nine years later, right now. Time traveling. And we're still talking about it. Nobody would have ever heard of Jack Freese if not for this story. Therefore... She did her son's memory for sure a favor. If there really is a land of the remembered, he's in there somewhere living pit 
Take coolsies better than most regular Walmart people, all right? And I'm not to say that your job is not important at Walmart. It totally is. But how many people be talking about you for how long when you die, all right? I can't say I'm on a strong boat, maybe. I don't know, all right? I'm not dead yet. But we'll know. We'll know when I'm in the, t- in the, in the land of the remembered, not able to touch shit. We'll know how much of you actually loved me in the end. Anyway, if you have some ghost stories, you know, send them in. Why not skis? Why not skis? Why not skis? Anyway, that's Mike McCowan comedy. Pretty sure. At gmail.com. Could be wrong. Might be sending to some random person. Who knows? Double check uh, tomorrow and get back at you. Anyway, skis. See you guys later. Keep safe out there. And uh, if creepy comedians try to ask for nudes from you and your small children, say naughty, naughty mouse. No, no, no. Go away from me. Go float away. Float away. I say float away because... uh, I realized there's a TV show that says, uh, go float yourself. It's based off books. It's called the hundred. And, uh, it's pretty much you getting sucked into space and all they are sucked out of you and you dying and alone and frozen space. No, I don't mean that. No. Although I do like that kind of curse as a death, you know, like don't just kill yourself. Go, into space and die alone, floating for an eternity. That's terrifying. No, I mean stupid people tend to have nothing in their noggins, alright? It's just a lot of hot air. And that hot air generally causes things like balloons to float. And if you're gonna float with your hot air filled head, Don't float near me, all right? Because I've got a heavy noggin placing me onto the earth. So you go away with your thoughtless nonsense. That's what I'm saying, all right? Go float away with your thoughtless nonsense. Anyway, stay safe. Don't get coughed on, all right? It's too few smart people in the world, and I can't lose any more of you. Keep my shoulders on straight and my head on straighter on my toes. All right. This is Mike McCowan, and I'm out of here. An Eternity of Lost Hope by Mike McCowan. Read by Professor Nightmare. In this empty era where the current leader is no more, and all of the old is thrown out the door, A change is coming, strong and vast. How long will our humanity really last? A year? A week? A minute? Maybe less. Or perhaps just until the evil act as if they are blessed. In a world with no boundaries, a great battle rages. A war that will certainly change the ages. We will fight in vain. Until our children's blood fills the rain, 
and our precious humanity is again brought to shame. Will we rise to the light, or will we die in this tragic fight? In a country where the evil win, and good people are brought to sin, there lies no hope, no redemption, and our morals have been lost by elimination. How long will this darkness dwell within our hearts? A month? A year? An eternity? Maybe more? Or perhaps just until our worlds come crashing to the floor? And it essentially looks like a uh, pedigree bag. And on that pedigree bag, it says, Not recommended for human consumption. So it inspires a shit ton of confidence. It's all based off a vegan diet. So that slop, it might look like meat and beans. It's not. It's soy. And I don't want to know what's in there because I've eaten it. And uh, even the rice, the rice, the beans, the vegetables, they give you broccoli, but just the stems. Not, not the good part of the broccoli like the tops, just the stems. I don't know how they cook food without any flavor. I've eaten regular broccoli before, and I've eaten rice, non-flavored. It still tastes like rice. The jail rice, it doesn't taste like anything. It has no flavor. I don't know if they have a special recipe to cook the flavor out of it, but it does not have any flavor. So you have to make what's like jailhouse spreads, which is you take the breakfast bag from the morning, the plastic bag, and you, you get commissary, which is your store every week. You can uh, fill in a little yellow sheet, send it in every Friday and Saturday, then you get your bags of items. They're not grocery store items, though. They're anything that you could pretty much get at a gas station. You get a bag of chili with beans. You can get tuna packets. You get chicken packets. You know, pretzels. You don't get to pick the flavor. It's just whatever they decide to give you for 75 cents a piece. Tuna, $3. If you want a bowl of cereal in the morning for, with your milk, that's $1.50, and it's a tiny little shitty bowl of cereal. What do you do about a spoon? Well, you got to keep it from the dinner from the night before. Because you can't bring in spoons and you don't have dish soap. So you kind of, you have to, you have to throw cleanliness right out the window. You just keep it, rinse it a little bit and use it. Rinse it a little bit, reuse it. You can, but in work furlough, it's nice because you don't have to make the jail spreads. But a jail spread, essentially, you get some chili, right? You, you can make it different ways. You get some queso cheese. You squeeze that in there. You order some tortillas, sort of tortillas. What do you use for a plate? Well, you use their shitty paperwork. Use tank orders. Use commissary sheets. Whatever kind of paper you have in there, that's your plate. And uh, you mix all that shit. Crush some pretzels up. Get some, get some uh, spicy Cheetos, you know, whatever. Put some flake corn nuts, crush them up in there. And uh, popcorn, you know. 
crush it all up, mix it all up so it looks gross and brown and chunky. And then you pop a hole in that little bag and you spread it on this burrito until it looks like someone just took a dump, right? Just a, a nutty, creamy dump. Just a shit log right on this burrito. And it's a lot better than the slop, so you eat it. But in work furlough, it's a lot nicer. You can eat in the world. You can eat at regular restaurants. You can eat regular food. And I come back after dinner's been served, so I don't even have to deal with that bullshit. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, before we finish this thing up, Let's take a small ad break for Anchor. Sorry to take a little break. I know we just had an ad, but I really do need to tell you. I need to further instill my point. You know, we live in a time of some craziness, all right? There's some riots going on. There's a COVID-19 virus going on. There's all this talk about defunding the police department, I'm sure you want to give your opinions out there. Shout them out there. You know, get some following behind you. You know, up the morale a little bit in society in America. God knows we could all have a little content that would let us, you know, escape from all the awfulness in the world. Surely this podcast doesn't do it for you. So create your own. All right. When I was first trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. One being, am I going to have to upload my podcast to each platform individually? To Spotify, to Apple, to everywhere? Because that's, that's going to be super annoying and I don't want to do that. Well, that's when I heard about Anchor. It's a one-stop, all you need to create a podcast. They upload, you upload it onto Anchor. Oh, here's my little podcast. I'm talking about riots and what flavor ice cream I like. I send it into Anchor. They upload it and they distribute it for me on Spotify, Apple, everywhere. You can listen to a podcast you will hear about Easily Irritated. It is that awesome. But here's another question I had. Will I ever make money? Like, Let's say I do develop a fan following. Will I make money? Will I be able to apply for sponsors? But here's what I didn't know is you don't even have to have a minimum listenership with Anchor. No. You can make money from your podcast right away. I don't, I wouldn't expect a lot of money, but you know, two cents from every listener, that adds up, you know? So, The answer to every one of these questions is simple. Anchor, all right? Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with the great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcasts. Why have advertisers, oh, this is for hymns. If you're uh, losing your hair and your dick doesn't work, come here and use my code word. They're not going to match you up with randos like that, okay? 
They know your podcast. Advertisers, advertisers, advertisers know your demographic, all right? They know the message you're trying to get out, and they will match sponsors to you, to the content that you offer. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Now, all you have to do, it's, it's not complicated at all. First of all, open up the App Store on your smartphone or your iPhone, right? Type in anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash start. And uh, you'll get started. You'll make your podcast. You'll make money. Maybe you might even become Rogan legendary. The Joe Rogan experience might even fail to comparison of how massive your show is, mans, dudes, womans. Join the revolution of podcasting. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Thank you for your patience in that small little ad break. But a comedian's got to make some amount of change while they're going through this this thing, you know? Anyways, you really do learn who your friends are when you're going through something like this. It turns out I knew a lot of people. Worked with a lot of comics. I'm relatively light. But uh, now know I have three Non-related, like they're not my family. You know, my family very is very supportive. They also agree. They're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you got to learn from it some way. Where you screwed a little bit. Uh, time will tell. You know, personal opinions aside. I've got about three friends. Two of them married to each other. The other one is a comic. And he's a cool dude. He's got my back. For that, I'm eternally grateful. Because uh, if he ever needs help bearing a body, hypothetically, a hypothetical body, I'll be there. No questions asked. I'll bring a shovel, maybe a blowtorch. I don't know what he needs. I just want to come prepared, you know? I want to be a prepared friend. But, uh... But yeah, you, you know who your friends are. You know who has your back in situations like that. Which is, uh, it's a good thing to know, you know. Just general rule of thumb. You're like, oh, shit hits the fan. I know you and you and you will be there for me. Fuck everybody else, you selfish dicks. Anyway. I was uh, putting off doing a podcast. Trying to feel out the rules of work furlough, things like that. And uh, also, I was a little nervous talking so openly about it, you know. But my friends were telling me, other inmates were telling me, why not? Why not do it? You can't bring your cell phone in with you in jail when you, when you have to return every night. So it's out of sight, out of mind. Talk about it, leave. Come back. Maybe you have some more words, some more stories, some more jailhouse confessions. This is only jailhouse confession number one. 
we got about two and a half months left. All right, three months, pretty much. Yeah, three months is that, that that's fair to say till October fourteenth. But at least I'm out before Halloween. And that's the only holiday that really matters to me, in my opinion. Halloween, you know, Thanksgiving, which I appreciate more, and Christmas. All the other holidays go fuck themselves. I was in there in jail because you're not allowed to leave for work furlough during any holidays. So the only holiday I really had to be in there for was uh, 4th of July. Maybe, maybe Labor Day eventually. And every Sunday. You gotta. You can be out six days a week, 12 hours in, 12 hours out. Except for Sundays, you gotta have one day where you're just being punished. When you can't leave the jail, you're in there with all the other inmates going crazy, sleeping all day, working out all day, reading books. Because that's all you can really do. You can watch a quiet TV that's not turned up loud enough for the amount of people that are in there talking and playing poker to hear anything. Thank God for subtitles and the ability to read fast. Because that's all you got. But, you know, there's not bad people. My bunk mates. They got the bunk right below me. He's a cool cowboy guy. He's got cool cowboy boots. Snakeskin boots. He's very quiet. Doesn't really talk a lot. Called him a cowboy once and he smiled at me. Eventually built up a repertoire with him. Found out that he enjoys comedy. And uh, I had to ask, listen, listen, cow friend, cow, cowboy friend, country boy, you, what brings you to this place? You know, what brings you to jail? And he told me he lit his coworker on fire. And I had a, I had a follow up question for that. Why? Why? Why did you why did you let your light your coworker on fire? And he said, "Hey, man, he tr- he tried to light me on fire first." And right there, right, that was the moment I wanted to give him a high five. I didn't. He said, "I don't want to condone shit like that." But yeah, if a dude tried to light me on fire, I, I would probably run. But that's just me. Fight or flight, I choose flight. But you know what? More power to you if your reaction is to uh, then try to light that person on fire before they light you on fire. I said, well, why do, why do you want to light you on fire? Because uh, he thought I owed him money and touched his tools and shit. All right, well, I think there's more background of that story. But um, just out of curiosity, did you use a lighter and, like, What'd you use as, like, how'd you ignite him? You said brake fluid. Apparently, brake fluid, very flammable. Pretty flammable brake fluid is. He worked in a motor shop as a mechanic. Used brake fluid, sprayed it on this guy, lit him on fire with a blowtorch to the ground. That means he had time to not only douse him in brake fluid, and he was already, he was doused himself in brake fluid. He grabbed a blowtorch, rearing to go, 
made a trail of brake break fluid, avoided his own fumes, and lit the other dude on fire with a blowtorch. That is a dangerous dude. Why he's out on work furlough, not 100% sure. I don't know why the government thought, hey, you're only here because you lit a coworker on fire. We're going to send you on work furlough so you can light more coworkers on fire. His, uh, turns out, found out his, his, his lady, his, uh, old woman. He's not much older than me. I don't know why I made him sound like an old man. But his, his old lady, his, his wifey, his girlfriend, lady friend, I don't know what she is to him. Apparently they're from, from Prescott. She's a behavioral health coach which I'm familiar with because my uh, best friend is a lead behavioral health coach. And you think if you're dating a behavioral health coach, she would pass down some of those coping skills to you so you didn't feel the need to light other people on fire. But that's just me. It's just my thinking, you know. And then the dude right, right beside me also... On the top bunk and also didn't need to be there. Guilty of naivete, naivete, naivety. Being naive, a little too nice. He's an LDS kid. He's a stand-up guy. And um, he just signed. He just signed something for his boss because his boss was out of town, and his boss said, "Hey." You need to sign this for me or you're fired. And he said, don't worry, bossy boss. I got you. And he signed it for him. And then his boss was up to no good shit. Up some shady, shady things in his business. And the SEC came to him or whoever's in charge of that shit. Said, hey, you're going to go away for 20 years if this is your signature. Because you're moving around funds. And we don't like when people try to hide taxes and money from us. He said, no, 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 that's not my signature. That's my employee. He's 20 or so, mid-20 kid, and uh, did six months of work furlough. He's almost out. He has a month left. And it made me feel like, oh, shit, he's also in here for a nonsensical charge, a charge that I don't think he necessarily deserves, but he's here nonetheless with me. So at least there's one other normal person in there with me that I could have normal conversations about comic books, you know, about cars and things, life, comedy, movies, things that matter to me. You know, I don't, I don't play poker. I know how to play poker. I just, I'm not a fan of playing it in jail. Don't want to owe anybody items because if you have six bags of pretzels, you could get someone beat up. It's like currency there, which is ridiculous because pretzels are 75 cents each in commissary. Shouldn't hold that much power and weight, but they do. It's like flashing 100 in there. You got a honey bun? Dude, that's a Benjamin Franklin in your face. A honey bun? I don't even know what they call it that. It's just essentially a shitty cinnamon roll. That you can get from the gas station. But that's like crack cocaine to them prisoners. 
to them jailbirds. You don't give anybody anything. You don't want to owe anybody anything. You just do you. Just look up for numero uno. There's no politics in in that place. Because people don't want to throw away their one opportunity to be a free man. To be, you know, themselves for 12 hours before returning back to a hellhole. You know, you don't have your phone. You have to leave a phone in your car. Me, can't drive. License revoked for a year. And this is why I start to think that it's mostly about money. Because uh, I don't drink. Never have. I don't drink alcohol. And yet, after my license is revoked for a year, after that year's over with, I gotta put an interlock, a uh, a breathalyzer interlock in my car, if I want to drive again. And uh, little known fact: breathalyzers they don't pick up marijuana. So. You're just paying $75 installation fee, $75 a month for maintenance on the thing that will never pick up anything besides if you eat a pizza, it'll pick up on the yeast, confuse it with beer, and your engine won't start. You can't eat in your car anymore. But if you do pot, you can essentially still drive high. I'm not saying I would do that because that is... Literally what I was accused of. Whether I agree with it or not is irrelevant. Because that's the hand I was dealt. I was a little nervous talking about it so openly. But as my best friend said, "Ah, you kind of got to live with that. This is a part of your story, Mike. And uh, if you honestly care about what people think, maybe you shouldn't do comedy at all. And I thought, touche, Austin, touche. So here I am, talking to you guys, all seven of you. You know, spread the word. Get some more listeners out of this experience. Spread it around. Share it with your friends. Share it with other people. You know, maybe you know a guy who's about to go to jail. I myself, I listen to tons of podcasts. I sought out podcasts they were talking about jail so I could learn a little bit before I had to experience it myself. Not a lot of people talking about it. You got Joey Diaz, you know, you got George Perez talking about it, being in jail. Not a lot of people. Dan Cummins a little bit. But nobody really talks about the politics. Maybe they're afraid of being a snitch. I don't know. I don't consider it snitching. I consider it being honest. You know? There's some stories that came out of there. When I was in general population, last couple days, last like a week or so, last week or so, I was in there. I was in jail. I got a new cellmate, also in the top bunk. He had a fluffy tuft on the top of his head. It reminded me of the Muppet. uh, Is it Beaker? I don't know. Whatever Muppet that says, Meep. And uh, that quickly became his jailhouse nickname. It uh, he was twenty two. It caused he was in there for credit card f- fraud. Can't speak. And uh, he he was not a fan of his jailhouse nickname that uh, that I started. No, 
he wasn't fond of it at all. And uh, I was making fun of him one day, and I said, yeah, man, you know what? You probably have the worst jail nickname I've ever heard in my life. It's hilarious, don't get me wrong, but it's Meep, and it's after a Muppet that is even a joke to the other Muppets. He's like, that, that is not my jail nickname. I was like, Are re really? You really think that? All right, so wait here. I go out into the day room where you can see me, walk up to some strange, random, random inmate. I said, hey, have you seen Meep? Do you know where Meep is? I need to talk to him. He goes, yeah, he should be in a cell. Is, is he sleeping? Meep. And he pops out of his pops out his head. He looks at me. I look at him. I walk back in my cell. Yeah, you like I said, you got the worst jail nickname in the world. And uh, to cope with this, to like, you know, toughen up his reputation, he thought it was a good idea to get a jail tattoo. Get a stick and poke tattoo. How they do tattoos in jail. You get pencils so you can write on forms and stuff like that. Or write in notebooks. It's another thing. There's not a lot of literary geniuses, not a lot of writers in jail. Because every time I wrote things down in my notebook, whether for jokes or just my general thoughts and feelings during this process, people constantly ask me what I was writing. Like they had never seen anybody jot down words on a piece of paper. Just because. And uh, they take... So to make a tattoo in jail, you get the pencil shavings. You shave that little graphite off the pencil until you have a good, good little pile. And then you take some shampoo or soap and you put, put it in there with a little bit of water. And it makes this like paste, this graphite lead paste. And then you take another pencil that you have a sharpened staple all straightened out half jutting out of the pencil and then you just get to work you keep going white chocolate the the white ken folk there he was really good at it he was really good at the stick and poke he had clean work that was his jail house hustle that's how he made items he wasn't a comedian he didn't know jokes he didn't know entertainment but he did a great tattoo did I get any jailhouse tattoos? No, because I don't consider myself a degenerate. I did. I joked around about it before I had this experience, but I realized I'm very vanilla in comparison to the rest of the people I was in there with. And uh, he, uh, he got 666 tattooed on his, the inside of his arm. Why? I don't... I'm not, I'm not really sure. Maybe he wanted to be tough. Maybe he loved Satan. I'm not really sure. And then he was talking to me about wanting to get a good job when he was out of here because he worked at the Akin, Akin Pavilion setting up for concerts. He's like, I want a good job. You know, I want to have a wife. I want to stop doing, you know, meth and drugs. That's another thing. A little side note. Learn that uh, if you do heroin, you know, you have some effects that happen to you, but it's not bad, you know? 
I mean, it's it's awful. It's horrible. But uh, it's not as bad as meth. You do meth one time, you lose all your teeth. Right? You, your teeth are gone. Uh, if you're a woman, you lose your boobs too. If you have huge knockers, shrinking to nothing. One time doing meth. Don't do meth, kids. There's nothing but but toothless conversations and titless tit jobs that come out of that at the end of the day. And this kid, me, he was talking to me about, uh, he's like, yeah, I want to, you know, g- good job, a good woman, all this shit. And it was nonsense because five minutes later, I walked by another cell and there white chocolate is. Tattooing Meep's face with an upside-down cross where a teardrop should be. And uh, I said to him after, I said, What the fuck are you doing, man? I thought you wanted a good job after this. He goes, I have a job. Well, not after your boss sees Satan on your face. I don't think he's going to let you be around customers. It's not going to have Switchfoot come to the pavilion, to his stadium, who's a Christian rock band, when they see that you have Satan, Satan's symbol tattooed on your face, and then 666 on your forearm, right? It's not a good message. It's not a thing to promote about yourself. He wasn't bright, Meep. He was not a bright guy. Obviously, he was there. None of us were incredibly intelligent. Because we were in jail. Some of us still are. Whether it be part-time or not. And uh, I called him by his jailhouse nickname. His Meep. M-E-E-P. I assume that's how you spell it. And um, said, Meep, what were you thinking? He goes, hey, don't call me that anymore. I'm not Meep. I'm Jesse. I was like, is that why you got a tattoo on your face? Because you wanted to be tough? Dude, you're not tough at all. And I'm not saying that as an insult. I don't consider myself particularly tough. But uh, you getting a tattoo on your face doesn't make you tough. It makes you stupid. And uh, he goes, yeah, you know what? I might give myself a bunch of tattoos. I traded some items. For the tattoo pencil and some paste. And I might give myself a few, you know, tattoos myself. Try it out. He goes and pokes his skin one time. He goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. Never mind a thing. Oh, it just hurts so bad. Yeah, man, you're not tough at all. You're a pansy. It's not something to be ashamed of. Know thyself. People knew me. You know, I was messy. I ate. I had food all over myself. After that, Alaska would flip up his mattress. Because he knew me. Because we were, we were bros. I, I felt loved in that moment. I was, <gasps> Look who knows Mike McCowan. You know that I eat. And I'm a mess of a person. And I get food all over myself. You didn't want that on your bed. And I love that you just accepted it and found a solution for that problem. 
by way of flipping up your mattress. Yeah, Meep was funny. He's a he's a good dude. I hope I never see him again. You know, Meep, if you're listening to this podcast, no, I don't want to ever see you again. Not because I think you're a you're a bad guy or that I didn't like you. I thought you were okay. But I didn't like you as much as I liked Alaska, who uh, actually has my podcast name. You know, maybe one day it could become pen pals with him. Send you letters, you know, from my, my house and my freedom while you're in jail. Maybe become Facebook friends with you. Who knows? Who knows? Well, when I left, right before I left, I didn't say see you later to the white people. No, I could give a shit about them. But I said goodbye to every single one of the Ken folk. And they were sad to see me go. Black guy with crutches. He was diabetic. He had diabetes. He was on crutches. And I'd always see him in medical. So I'd take medication. And he'd give me his cookies. Because, you know, they're sugar. He can't eat them. Jailhouse cookies are called cream for fun. Ironic. Probably a little. It's called cream for fun, and yet prison rape is frowned upon. I kept trying to tell him, too. I was like, listen, are you telling me the gay guys in prison can't have gay sex because it's considered rape? He goes, yeah, and the other races don't deal with that shit. We'll beat them up. It's like, why is it so fucking racist and prejudiced in here? I don't get it think we'll all be bros. That's how the Spartans did it. They, they bonded by butt-fucking. Butt-fucking brought them closer together as a unit, as an army. And then they took over great empires. That's the, that's the underlying scenes that they don't show you in 300. They were butt-fucking before each battle. Brought them closer, made them stronger, made them brothers. Although I have not once thought that about my real brother, my actual blood, never once thought about butt-fucking him. But, you know, it's different times than the ancient Greece. Different times. This is 2019. Also, I mean, I don't get it. The government charges you for the medical marijuana card. $300 a year. It's, they call it medical marijuana, but at the same time, if a cop asks you if you have your medical marijuana card and you say yes, you are now giving them probable cause to search you. I don't get it. And if it, they really saw it as medication, wouldn't you be able to still do it in jail? You can do all your other medications, including methadone for meth addicts. Meth addicts coming off from meth can do methadone. You can be on painkillers. You can be on anything. But you can't be on medical marijuana. Therefore, aren't you kind of saying you don't believe it's medicine? I don't know. My probation officer tells me uh, even 
you know, when I'm out of jail, just on probation for two years, you know, monitored probation. I'm cool with having my medical marijuana card when I'm out of jail. I can smoke pot as much as I want. It's not like I have the ability to drive. But uh, if I let that card expire, then I get new charges. Because by me not a, be, by me not renewing my medical marijuana card, I am then saying, I don't need it. I don't need this medicine. And I'm just a drug addict. So then, I, then I'll accumulate more charges. I feel like that is just a way to make money. You know, we get money if you do it. We get money if you don't. Either way, you're paying for this new jail in Arizona. Paying for this new prison. And that is a dirty trick. But whatever. Can't say nothing about it. Even though I just did. And uh, now, in about three and a half hours, I'm going to be back there from uh, 8 o'clock to 8.45 in the morning on Monday, because I have to be in there all Sunday. Hopefully, it's a little better than last Sunday, because last Sunday was the soccer championships. And there's just a bunch of uh, Mexican people saying, Oh, football! There's all of them all, all in there at once. It's just so loud, so noisy. Slept most of the day, though. Got earplugs. Got little sleeping iPads. Like the eye, eye, eye cozies. Block out the bright neon lights that you see in jail 24-7. I mean, at night, at least they, they tone it down a little bit shut off most of the lights so it's relatively dark but you still hear the sound from the tvs and people talking bullshit and playing poker all night long and people coming in and out because they work at all times of the night and and uh, that's just the way it is i'm only bummed at the thought of losing my only normal compadre my only normal friend in work furlough, he uh, he rolls out in about uh, in August. At the end of August, he's out of here. And my luck being, I'm probably going to get some weirdo without a lot of cleanliness and smelly feet beside me. Probably one that farts. Get some universal karma backup in this bitch. It's another thing. Be clean if you're with 200 roommates. Nobody appreciates you being gross. Brush your damn teeth. Clean your damn feet. Shower once a day. Those aren't hard rules to live by. You know, you don't have to make your bed every day. But why wouldn't you? Makes you feel like a person. Makes you feel like a human. But you do you, I guess. There is a guy. He's uh, in there for a second DUI and he's on work release. It's like, whoa, you're in here for regular booze? You're in here for regular alcohol for the second time and you get work release and an ankle monitor bracelet with you just have to be at home? 
confined to your house for 130 days. I have to be here for 130 days. And I'm not allowed to go home. I'm allowed to go to work and come back. I can't see my adorable little dog, Cassie. My other dog, Sport, my Australian cattle dog. No. I get to be here at work all day. Except for lunches, which I use to, uh, you know, fuel myself and uh, be full, you know. Don't have to eat the slop. I do these podcasts during my lunch break, so whatevs, it's my time. I don't have a car, so I don't drive anywhere, but just uh, here on a Saturday. Nobody is here in the office, so I was like, you know what? Let's do a podcast, bitches. Let's make this happen. Let's get it out while it's fresh. So this is only number one of the jailhouse confessions. The rest of them, not going to be talking a lot about general population. Be mostly talking about work furlough. Because there's a lot of interesting characters in work furlough. It's like, a, it's like sitting up on that top bunk, looking down at the rest of the people. It is truly like watching a sitcom, like a jail house version of The Office or of that Nickelodeon show, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Yeah, they should have one of those for, like, surviving and work furlough. Rule number one, don't piss in the shitter, don't shit in the pisser. Rule number two, shower once a day. Nobody wants to smell your B.O. Just be a person. Take care of yourself. Brush your damn teeth. Rule number three, you know, don't call anybody a punk. Don't call anybody a bitch. Don't call anybody a pussy. Because those three words will get your ass thrown in the banyo for a personal on your ass. And no one wants that. I myself don't like conflict. I don't like to fight. I just like to be left alone to read, work out. I don't like to be I don't like people looking at me when I'm working out because I'm weak. I'm small. I'm tall, but I'm small. I'm a small tall tall. Small tall man. But for the first time in my life, I have I have pectorals. My chest shuts out a little bit. And that's not a negative, my friends. That is not a negative. It's not a negative when you hug your mom. And when I was, you know, before jail, I'd hug my mom. And uh, I'd give her, you know, I'd hit her in the... Okay. Uh, J.K. are about to make a new kind of uh, thing. Batman City, sir. Uh, again, we're, di- we're confused. Okay, cool. Let me finish mine up. I was talking first. No, but this same movie was Batwing's debut. So that's, uh, no, this was Batwing's debut. I'm just saying that, like, Batman was present. Oh, you were, oh yeah, yeah. No, I know that. Uh, I know that. That's and Bat... She disappeared for, like, the first 45 minutes of the Kate is Batgirl. CW made her Batwoman. Uh, but no, uh, he was only gone for like the first 30 or 45 minutes. 
Grayson, as Nightwing finally found out, you know, about Batman's take to our information on her, and found out it was Cassandra, who he's known since they were kids, and he took off his mask to her and shit. Um, and then Batman came back. I don't exactly remember how at the moment. But Batman came back because he wasn't fucking dead, of course. Uh, and at, that, at some point during that, Lucius had broke into the armory and stole the bat wings. Yeah. Okay, we are going to open. All right, we just were talking about different ones. Yeah. That one. God. Yeah, because this... Yeah, because it makes sense if the hero is gone, like Green Arrow, when they're like, I'm going to take his mantle and I carry on the legacy because this city responds to that character, that likeness in respect and fear. So if I come up as a new character, no one's going to take me seriously. But if I'm Batman, they will. And that's what Batwoman essentially is. You know, she's and they tried to do that, but they didn't have Batman's permission to do it. Yeah. So now, though, now, you got Luke, who's not Batwing. Alright? <laughs> who's not Batwing, I repeat, who is not Batwing. Even though his father is dead, and Alfred is dead. Don't know yet if Batman is dead. But Alfred and his father definitely are, and he never became Nightwing or uh, Batwing. He wasn't always supposed to be Batwing. That's an animated movie thing. No, I know that, but what I'm saying They changed it originally. The intelligent son of Lucius Fox. She doesn't have his disposal Because in one, he's an intelligent, he's a uh, you know, tech guy, kind of like Mr. Terrific, and in the other, he's a soldier, kind of like fucking um, a um, But yeah, so she has the technical. And now she has, the writer has to find this way to write her into that girl. Or that one. Because, like I said, Ruby Rose didn't even have the fucking decency to film an exit. If she builds an exit, that would make Yeah, but but you have to get that um, Lucius Fox as Batwing is not canon. Um, it's David Zimbambi. He he's the because it was I read the Batwing comics and it's um, it was created during New Fifty Two. I don't know what it is during Rebirth. 
but um, it was it was um, Batman. He saw this um, vigilante in Africa fighting all like the child soldier people and the drug cartel and the traffickers and everything. And he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna extend my this this guy could be my successor. I'm gonna give him my technology, make him this awesome guy, call him Batwing, and that you're gonna represent me in Africa and that part of the world." And um, when you're reading the Red Hood and the Outlaws, that's one of the things t- Jason Todd goes and does is he sabotages Batwing's uh, jet and suit just for just to fuck with Batman. Yeah, he's like, fuck you. You're going to have all these other people that you care about and you're doing shit for when they get Speak beat. Huh? Speak of Jason Todd. Perfect segue. Uh, he's still a baby, Nick though. Nick Grayson, Jason Todd, both exist in the Arrowverse. Yeah, but they're not. he's not the Red Hood yet because he's still alive. You can't, you can't bring... Where are they in the fucking timeline? If Jason Todd is alive, but Alfred is dead. But what Earth are you talking about? Titans and Batman are on the same Earth. No, not anymore. in the the CW writers and stuff. They said, so, yes, um, all of the Earths have combined into one, but not all the people have combined onto one Earth. Only the Earths of the Paragons have combined onto all the Earths. The other multiverse, the ones that weren't destroyed, were also reset in their own ways and recreated but they're all different Earths now, and it's a whole different multiverse now. So the okay. ways they, they could travel to before, they can't anymore because the vibrations of the universe have changed. All right. Big asshole for you right now. Um, I get that. However, Batwoman has always been on Earth Prime, which means Titans was on Earth Prime. Well, what's going to be... So what Earth are Titans on now, then? Batwoman... No, Batwoman wasn't a Titan. No. However, Batwoman is where Titans debut. No. Oh, no, I have that backward. Doom Patrol uh, 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 debuted on Titans. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't cross over like that. Sorry. That would have been a huge thing. No, your major plot point no, is. No, never mind. I was losing still around in Titans. Your your major plot point. I know he's played by the guy from Game of Thrones. Your major plot hole is Batwoman, Ruby Rose was a paragon. Oh fuck. Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that part of it. You can't just. I mean, unless you're Lex Luthor, who steals the Book of Destiny and writes himself as the paragon instead of Superman. But, like, they didn't have, 
they better come up with shit like that in the next crossover because yeah, Ruby Rose, the actor Ruby Rose, she was a paragon, her character. So yeah, and that and that's the whole reason. Well, the, the, in Legends of Tomorrow, it explains it is uh, all the shit that happens to um, to um, what's her face? Um, what's the captain's name? White Canary. Well, what happens to Sarah at, at near the end of the series? She was like, when John and everyone were like, so wh- why you, why is this all affecting you differently? And she's like, I think it's because I'm a paragon. I think it's because.